This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. These guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. He's been an absolute joy. Uh, not knowing him a year ago, and again, not just Ant, but he's got a, a great support system. And this level of commitment is more about the person than the player. Uh, you, you don't do this unless you trust the person, and he's he's everything we want to be. And uh, again, his positivity, his his energy he brings to his teammates, to uh, to us as coaches and scouts, um, it's invaluable. So you know, we want him to continue to improve, but never lose who he is because he's a, a really special guy. Just offering heaps of lavish praise on the next face of the National Basketball Association, Sir Anthony Edwards. If you guys haven't, by the way, for both you guys, Judd and Declan, and the audience, heard uh, Kyle Tige's stories on the last episode of Flagrant Howls earlier this week about just like playing blackjack with Anthony Edwards and Ant. The the dealer's name was Victor, and so Ant was like every time Ant would and Ant like isn't a huge blackjack player, but every time he would win a hand, he'd be like trash talking the dealer, calling him Wemby. <laughs> it was uh, just great stories from Kyle. So definitely. Go check that out. Welcome into Flagrant Howls. We have expanded some of our team-centric shows. We're going to be doing more of them. We're basically taking the Wolves and Twins and and hockey wild conversations that we have on Mackie and Judd, and we're we're putting those conversations in some of these team-centric podcasts. Uh, so Flagrant Howls, you're going to see and hear more from us. Um, the Scorner Twin Show, which, by the way, is up to 25th on the Apple Baseball Podcast charts today. Sure. Flagrant Howls is right there, I think, 51st in the uh, NBA chart ranking. So thank you, guys. And then and then Purple Daily was top 10 on the football side. So And Judd's Hockey shows pretty regularly, like, flirting with top 10 to 25 yeah. kind of. In season and playoffs, we're usually in that 10 range. Um, and, yeah, we we're usually are in the top 25 for the most part. Hockey, I, I will say, the only, the only downfall, not the only, one of the downfalls of the NHL is the offseason outside of the free agent and the draft. It is very quiet. It's not like the other three major sports where there is some type of blips and things to talk about. Hockey, when they say they're on the golf course, everybody is on the GD yeah. golf course. And they're like half of them go to Finland and yeah. Russia and Canada or whatever. You know, They're not I like hanging think, out in Vegas. I still think baseball's the worst. It's, just, it's long. Because at least ho- hockey has like dropped dead days of Free agency starts, time to sign guys. True. You know, baseball is totally lacking. Like, you, you could get yeah. a guy signed to a deal in December, and then another guy doesn't sign a deal till March. So, yeah, yeah. baseball, get your act together. Yeah, screw baseball. <laughs> Let's talk about the the National Basketball Association here, the Timberwolves. So, DraftKings over-under win totals came out yesterday. Updated over-under win totals. I got the Western Conference in front of me. Now, I will say the Blazers and the Clippers are off the board right now. Because those are the teams that are the most uncertain, right? Like Damian Lillard technically still plays for the Blazers, but they're talking trade with him. And the Clippers, there's all these rumors about James Harden and 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 different moves they're trying to make. So the Blazers and Clippers are off the board. I think the Blazers, even with Lillard, would be below the Wolves. The Clippers, with a healthy allotment 
of their current roster would probably be above the Wolves. But here we are. You guys tell me what you think about this. Would you hammer the over or the under here? So Nuggets, 54 and a half. They are three wins clear of the next team. The Suns at 51 and a half. Warriors, 49 and a half. Lakers, 48 and a half. That's a big jump. Mavericks and Grizzlies tied at 45 and a half. And so that's your top six right there. Those are your avoid the play-in teams. Nuggets, Suns, Warriors, Lakers, Mavericks, Grizzlies. Then you get into three teams with 43 and a half win totals. Kings, Pelicans, Wolves tied in that group. And, And the Thunder are at 42 and a half. Big gap then to Jazz at 34 and a half. So an eight win gap from the 10th team. So there's like a play in line basically. Right. But the Clippers would be in here too. So the Clippers would, would be much higher than 34 and a half. Rockets 31 and a half. Spurs 30 and a half. So the Wolves won 42 games last year. The DraftKings over under for this year right now is 43 and a half. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a slight improvement. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling over or under? Over. Over, definitely. Because if it's not, if it's not, I think heads roll. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, you know, we're talking about a good, solid season, I think. But, I mean, so if the Gobert cat thing is going to work, it doesn't have another year to wait. It's going to have to work in 2023-24. Ant is, I, I hope it's made clear, and I feel it's been made clear, that this is Ant's team, which becomes an enormous factor i cat can still be an outstanding player but he should now turn into a complimentary personality if that makes sense um i don't hate this team but i do think that there also should be pressure and anything that was expected last season i think became a, a disappointment that disappointment has to be turned into results right now so if you were if i was to go to vegas and lay down a bet 43 and a half i go over and I think it should be over by how can I put this a comfortable margin. So I'm not mm. saying I'm not saying a ridiculously high win total, but I actually like this for the over because I think it's extremely obtainable, um, and a lot of people get a great chance to prove that last year was, if not a fluke, a learning process, including Chris Finch. I'm going over. Yeah. Real quick, real quick. When you say when you say let's say they under let's say they go under and it's not because like Ant missed 70 games or something. Right. It's just like an underachieving under. When you say heads roll, are you talking cuz I don't think Connolly, I think Connolly is ironclad regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Even even though he's like I think Finch, I think be like a Finch gone. thing. Okay. Yes. I think if they don't have a what we consider to be a good season and they need to, in my opinion, I'm not sure what Dex thinks, but in my opinion, they need to at least flirt with a top six, like very strongly. I'd like, I'd like, I'd like the top six. Yes. No, I, I agree I don't with think you. It's like not but I mean, you to need to flirt. Top six. Like you need to be fighting to be in there consistently, and not because the rest of the conference is not great. It needs to be a fight that is a good fight. Yeah, I mean, are they a 44 win team? Right, they're 43 and a half over no under. Are they a 44-win team? Are they, you know, what, uh, uh, 41 is a 500, so can they win three games more than an average 500 team? That's kind of how I would look at this, right? Declan doing math on the fly. I know. I'm here, I'm here for this yep. right now. Um, what would be their loss total? 43 <laughs> and 38. Is that right? 
44 and 38. 44 and 38? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, see, no, that, now, now you, you threw a different unnecessary curveball. Spelling and math. Yeah. Spelling and math. Let's yeah. do it. Please don't. That was self-inflicted. <laughs> yes, it was. Yep. Um, I, yeah, I think they're Carry a 44-win the team for sure. Um, last year, they obviously underachieved from what the 49 and a half, I think, total that was set, which, I mean, looking back, we all thought they should well, we, be a 50-win team. I think we set that. I think the actual was like 46-and-a-half. But, okay. like, yeah, it's, it's, it's lower than it was last year for sure. Um, but I think they're a 44-win team. It's interesting that they just see clear regression, like coming to a team like the Kings, like where the Kings just big-time overachievers last year, which they probably were. They probably overachieved. Are they still above a plan team? They certainly should be. But, yeah, I, I think they have enough here to run this back, and assuming everyone stays healthy, Ant doesn't miss significant time that they probably can definitely squeeze out 44 wins. Yeah, I would I would also take the over. I've also probably taken the over on every Timberwolves team since 1996 even though um it's I true. wasn't, you know, legally old enough to do so. It's funny cuz you can sit here and say, "Oh yeah, over 43 and a half." And yeah, they should be a top 6 seeded team and they should avoid the plan. But then when you start to go through the actual exercise of, "Okay, well, which teams would they would they beat out to be a top six team? Well, the Nuggets just won the title, and they did fight the Nuggets very well in that playoff series. But like nobody would argue that the Nuggets, even after losing a couple pieces, the Nuggets are still going to be considerably favored to win more games than the Timberwolves until proven otherwise. The Suns are interesting because they're one of the most top-heavy teams you'll ever see in the NBA. Do they have? Are, are those guys going to stay healthy enough? Do they have enough depth? I could see attrition preventing the Suns from winning the 51.5 over-under total here. The Warriors are such a wild card. How does Chris Paul fit with that team? Do they even care until February, right? Do they give a rip about the tournament in November and December? So, like, like the Warriors could just put it on autopilot like they did this season and then kind of try and flip a switch, which didn't really work out well. I do think the Lakers are better. The Mavericks, I don't know, man. That feels like a nuclear situation. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that it worked well enough to just like run it back the way they're going to. The, I think the Grizzlies got better if John, you know, the John Morant suspension is going to be a thing, but getting rid of Dylan Brooks, um, bringing in Marcus Smart, like I actually like what they did. And the Kings, I don't know. That was a one year pop up. They have a really good young core. They probably take a step back. So Pelicans, it's all dependent on Zion Williamson. So you could go through and make a case for any of these teams to be above the Wolves. But if you start to list the reasons why the Wolves will be better than the 42-win team from last year, it's a pretty long list. You know, you get, a, for me anyways, a full season of Mike Conley instead of D'Angelo Russell, I think just fits way better with this collection. An adult in the room, a guy that's not going to go rogue and think he's Kobe for 18 minutes a night. You know, like D'Angelo Russell would just like try to take over games. And it would work like one in every four times, but then he would have these like three for 13 clunkers all the time. So if Conley doesn't fall off the age cliff, I think having a full season of Conley, and he's not going to play 82, that's a reason that they're going to be better. Anthony Edwards and Jade McDaniels' ascensions should be a reason why they are better. Um, in theory, another year of chemistry with the Gobert-Cat experiment. Not that it's a perfect pairing, but another year of it should be better. This is a sneaky one. Jalen Noel, who I loved going into last season, played 18 minutes a game and only missed like 12 games or something. And he was awful for the majority of the season. Did not play defense, could not knock down a three-point shot all year. So you're essentially replacing like thir- uh, 18 minutes a game of Jalen Noel with better players now going forward, which is 
going to be ideal. And then, you know, Leonard Miller, Josh Minot, Wendell Moore Jr. Could one of them kind of join the party? So I feel like there's a lot more reasons why they're going to be better than why they would get worse. And that's why I'm over the 43 and a half at this point. I think the one thing that I'm very curious about is, is how does the backup point guard shake out? Because Conley at his age, just is going to miss time. Like like Cat, I think we should count on being back. And, you know, hopefully he does not get hurt again. But I don't think that there should be this, oh, Cat or Ant are going to miss time. Ideally, they don't miss much time, if any at all, right? Conley's going to. So what I'm curious about is who is the, who is the next guy up who I think is going to probably play substantial time, who's going to be on the floor when Conley – you know, is being rested or in some games for sure just flat out doesn't play. I think you'll see, my, my guess is Jordan McLaughlin still plays a little bit, but that his role, and if you get the pre-calf injury version of Jordan McLaughlin, you can play him for 12, 15 minutes and he can be a really good catalyst. Sure. But I think you're going to see sort of like combo guys take over the ball handling. Nikhil Alexander-Walker can do a little ball handling. Shake Milton is effectively the backup point guard. But then you're also going to see sometimes Kyle Anderson can run point. Anthony Edwards and Mike Conley's not out there can be a point ant, I guess, if you want to call him that. Do they have just a traditional classic backup point guard besides Jordan McLaughlin? No, because Shake Milton's more of a combo guard. So I, it, that will be interesting to see kind of how that works out. But I think the good thing for this team is they actually have like five-ish guys that you could kind of trust to just get the offense going depending on what the lineup combos are. I guess my biggest thing here though, is if Conley's not playing and things go wrong at point guard, who calms it down? Cause I mean, the one thing I love about Conley is there is probably nothing in a game that at this point in his career, he hasn't seen. Yeah. So if all hell breaks loose, he can literally just calm things down. So like if Conley's out, who's that guy? Cause that guy, it's not like that, that guy needs to play a ton the backup, but the minutes are going to be incredibly important because I felt like McLaughlin, actually um, two years ago now, I thought he did a pretty good job. But last year it felt like when all hell broke loose and he was in the games, he couldn't calm things down. Well, what's crazy is before the calf injury, the first like two months or I can't remember the exact date that he hurt the calf, but he was kind of the calming guy. He would come in, and even if you looked at some right. of the numbers, like the lineup combinations, you know, the the plus minus, the net plus minus ratings. Right. Basically, the the Wolves' four or five best lineups involved Jordan McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. But then you'd look at a box scorer, and it was it wasn't he wasn't scoring. He certainly wasn't knocking down threes. He was just initiating, and he was he was able to get things into a flow. And I don't know what happened if he was still banged up, if he just, you know, just missing time made him rusty. He just didn't have the same ability to keep things moving and calm, especially once you got into that playoff series. He was unplayable basically against the Nuggets. But that that like 12 minutes a night of the pre-calf injury Jordan McLaughlin, at some point if he wants to play more and be a bigger piece, he has to knock down open threes. You can't just be like wide open five times in the corner and not make two or three of those. So, uh, boys, we actually have a batch of feedback here, too. Uh, Flagrant Howells reads the comment section. I'd love to throw some of these out to you guys and get our reactions. Presented by our friends at Power Lodge and Miller Marine. So the dog days of summer may not last. 
but uh, your pontoon could for multiple summers, perhaps. So you can get in. There's over 300 pontoons in stock. These iconic Bennington pontoons and tritunes for doorbuster prices at Miller Marine in St. Cloud and all Power Lodge locations, Judd. It is called throttle therapy for a reason, because in this state, summers are short and our sports teams can drive us crazy. So what is better than to be out on the water on a gorgeous summer day, taking it all in, relaxing, preparing for football to start? But if you are ever going to enjoy throttle therapy, we are in the prime season to do it and do it on a Bennington. Yes, uh, MillerMarine.com, PowerLodge.com. Eating better is easy with Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. From pancakes to smoothies to meals and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And if you're always on the go and eating a quick and easy way to find something to eat, you need to try Factor Meals. They have an easy-to-use website. Factor is also flexible. Change up your order every week with plans from 6 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your delivery at any time. You can sign up and save, and we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash Howells50 and use code Howells50 to get 50% off. That's code Howells50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Go check out Factor Meals. All right, boys, this one comes from, and you can send us messages through the Score North app. The feedback tab is uh, open for business 24-7. We also uh, look at YouTube comments. So Dave Harms chimes in and says, to piggyback off your take from earlier this week about the the young core of talent here, because the Wolves were like seventh on the Bleacher Report uh, young core list, wasn't that part of the thinking about trading all those first-round picks that you have uh, a young group of players? And, yeah, I think... Well, on on the picks front, I think when you have McDaniel's and Anthony Edwards, and then you have the ability to go get a Leonard Miller, you know, a year later, those first round picks are less important when you already have your Anthony Edwards, when you already have your Jaden McDaniel's. I think the argument would be: Could you have waited a year and gotten something or somebody different or better for that draft capital? Right? Like, let's say you would waited a year, would you have been in the Damian Lillard conversation? He would have still wanted to go to Miami, but like, would the draft picks have have talked more for a non Rudy Gobert player? I think, I think it's less about like, are they going to miss the draft picks, and more about like in terms of roster building, and more about could they have leveraged those draft picks for a better piece than Rudy Gobert at some point? Which is why I still, I, and again, there this is reckless speculation completely. There is no evidence of this. But it's why I still struggle to believe that Tim Conley pulled the trigger here alone. The Gobert trade was almost like a splash trade of sorts. And I'm not saying that A-Rod and, and Lori demanded it, but it feels now in retrospect like a trade that was also done for, like, let's make a splash, let's do something. And Gobert's a huge name and, and has been a good player. Um, I just don't know. Oh, no. Oh, like, we gotta uh, put Judd in timeout. If you Tim Conley's Judd's in timeout, Judd's Internet got a timeout. technical foul there. Internet clear path. timeout. For clear Judd. path. Clear path foul there from Judd on the on the internet there. It's a it's an it's an unclear Xfinity path. 
for for Judd there. I mean, it, I uh, think the, the problem though with the young core thing is the the fact that Walker Kessler turned out to be so successful too. Like if, if Walker Kessler or a lot of these first round draft picks that just turned out to be busts, like if that, I think it would have been less sour. But like Walker Kessler is basically a much more effective Rudy Gobert for obviously like a tenth yeah. of the price, and I think that's the biggest uh, thing that's that's hard to swallow with Wolves fans because they're just watching the same player that they could have just had without giving up first round picks do the exact same job. Yeah, it's tough because if you, if you were to go back, draft Walker Kessler, you've now solved sort of the problems that you thought you needed to solve with Rudy Gobert. And now you have, and it wouldn't have worked out exact because they would have like probably found other ways to get like another veteran in here, but you don't have like a super max contract taking up three years on your books and you have all that draft capital. How would they have leveraged it? But it does kind of feel like there was some pressure to make a splash. By the way, uh, in terms of like the young core, Leonard Miller threw three summer league games. Yeah. 18 points, seven rebounds, two steals, a block. This is per game. 53% shooting, 43% threes, finishing almost 70% of his shots at the rim. Alan Horton with that statistic. He's basically like a G League Chris Bosch. <laughs> He's got three levels of offense at the rim, you know, sort of mid range game, three point shooting. So he's been fun to watch. Jared Valeski chimes in here to Flagrant Howls. Curious, so did Kyle see those players in Vegas casinos and just sit next to Ant because he has a media pass? Or would a general public person be in the same spots, see the same people? <laughs> uh, it's You don't have to have a credential to just like go to a blackjack table right. at Resorts World. So right. Now, for some of the behind-the-scenes access and, and whatnot, you do. But could anyone have just like bellied up to a blackjack table that Anthony Edwards was at? The answer is yes. Yeah. I, you know, I think that bubble in Vegas, if you will, is a lot smaller than people think it is. And it's probably pretty, pretty clear if you walk into Vegas on a weekend. I know you were just there recently. I was there in March. I wouldn't be shocked if you walk in the street and say, hey, that's so and so. Like, I, I bet that probably happens more often than you think. And probably the most likely place for that to happen outside of like New York City would be Vegas. Like, oh my God, yeah. that's so-and-so with his friends, or that's Anthony Edwards playing blackjack at, at the table two tables down. It's just much more of a, it's not as much of a coincidence, I guess, as you think. Yes. No, it is. I mean, you can, I guess if you're a sports fan looking for just a fun event to put on your calendar, I'm going to take Super Bowl and March Madness, whatever, like go to Vegas for Summer League if you're a basketball fan. Yeah, it looks fun. I've never done it, and mm-hmm. I it's I'm next year I'm going 100% because it just feels like it's just, it has become the place where NBA luminaries and even like celebrities will gather. And to put 18,000 people, I think it was the Thomas and Mack Center for a Wemby Summer League game. You know, it's just, right. it's kind of crazy. Um, let's see what else here. There's some cat stuff in here, but I feel, I feel like we should give cat a week off, yeah, or at least a day mean, off the criticism. Off. Yeah, probably a good idea. Um, I'll give you one more here. Moises9090 says, we are so lucky that Gerson Rosas drafted Anthony Edwards. It's kind of funny. So Gerson, by the way, was at Summer League. He was roaming around. He's still, I think, a consultant for the Knicks. That dude put together a freaking great roster. And he nailed, that was not a certain draft at all for who should go number one overall. But to nail Anthony Edwards and uh, to just, you know, to put together the framework of a, of a playoff team like that friend of the show, Gerson Rosas deserves a little, 
little tip of the cap in retrospect. Absolutely, yeah. He was definitely able to cultivate young talent, and that draft class with McDaniels and Edwards is going to go down as one of the better draft classes the Wolves have ever had. Um, yeah, there was just unfortunately, obviously, some behind-the-scenes things that lingered and that uh, didn't end up working out too well for Gerson. But he definitely knows, you know, he's a good scout. He knows talent when he sees one, that's for sure. Um, yeah, not too surprised that he ends up drafting two studs there. And even Nas Reed. Hell, throwing Nas Reed there. That was part of the same leadership. That's right. So he can't really sleep on that either. Yeah, all these dudes who are now now getting paid this summer were discovered, I think, by Gerson Rosas. So. Anyways, uh, well, thanks for making Flagrant Howls one of the 50 most popular basketball podcasts on Apple. We hope to keep uh, keep climbing. Kyle and I, I think Monday we're going to reconvene nice. for a full Summer League recap, and uh, we'll keep the off-season Wolves content coming at you here on Flagrant Howls. If you could give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and click the subscribe button and the like button on the Score North YouTube channel, you can help us spread the word about this uh, Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagrant Howls. We'll see you guys.